the champ is here, fresh off the second. And it's still, even those two years in between, it's back-to-back IPF World Championships. Um, how are you feeling, sir? I feel good, man. Can't complain. It's, is it, so this is your, obviously your second IPF World title. This one was a whole lot more different. Leading into for sure. I want to talk a little bit about the lead-in for this IPF World Championships because it was up, down, all around me. You could write a book on, <laughs> on just the lead-up. How much is how difficult is it to be prepping and then have it taken away and then prepping and then you know maybe taken away again and then it's like are we in are we out right up to the last second? And I don't even I don't I don't think there's a way to describe it to be honest. It's mm-hmm. like um, you commit to a process. I think whenever you you get ready for a peaking cycle, right? So let's say you're getting ready for a meet, you commit to that meet wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. and then it just like gets ripped away from you. So. It was interesting for this particular meet. I couldn't even commit to the meet wholeheartedly because there were so many rumors going around about the USAPL and the IPF having issues and that there's a possibility um, that we might not even be able to compete. But there's people still being optimistic. So for me personally, I couldn't even commit going into the prep. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was tough. I, I told people this was definitely my worst prep. Um, the only one that was uh, like worse than this one was when I was actually injured. Other than that, like, this is easily, like, my worst prep. It's just the motivation when you walk into the gym, you're like, why am I pushing? Yeah. You know, why am I doing this? Why am I, could I cut a day off? I'm prepping. I kind of think I'm prepping, but I kind of don't know if I'm prepping. Yeah. And you have no idea what's next. There's a huge mental disconnect. I mean, I would go inside the gym, and it's just like, bruh, I don't even know if I'm, like, actually going to be stepping on the platform. And I'm a huge visual, uh, visualizer. So I couldn't even see myself actually competing on the platform inside of my head. And if I can't see that, I'm already doubting like the work I'm putting in, I'm doubting the reason why I'm there. Like, it's just, it's, I'm not, it just, it just took a huge role and it took a huge effect as like me just going inside the gym and working out because people, people forget that prepping for me or peaking for me, it, it's not like the most fun thing in the world. Damn, you know? fuck. <laughs> That's the, that is an understatement sometimes, man. Yeah. It's not like um, if you're playing basketball and, and you're like shooting hoops and in almost game type situation, like it, it's easier to wrap your head around a little bit when it's yeah. as monotonous as shifting fucking heavy ass weight, sometimes by yourself over and over for hours, just shifting weight. Like you could do other bodybuilding style stuff that are far more like if it's off season, you could do it, get a pump going, shift a little bit of weight, but it's way different than when it's the monotonous heavy as shit. And when you get under the bar and you need to rally yourself up to hit this weight, you need to get yourself psyched up. Like, you know, I, I got Sean Noriega, I got Brett Gibbs, I got whoever, this guy said this, this guy said that, like, you're like, you have those things. So you're like, I'm going to fucking smash the seven hundo on my back. You know, you unrack it. I'm going to hit this when that's gone. And you're like, I'm just chilling. You know, it's a hold. It's not the same. It's not like, you know, any other sport where when you show up to a basketball uh, practice, you have someone else in front of you. You have to play. If you don't step up, they're going to start dunking on you. You know, right. you're going to get their nuts in your face. You know what I mean? Like you better show up. It's not that when it's just gravity, gravity doesn't give a shit. It's just 700 pounds on a rack. You're like, I don't know if I'm all pumped up for this, man. It's tough to, do you find it tough sometimes? This is a question I want to ask you because like when you're, when you are prepping for certain competitions and it's been a hot minute since you've been pressed, either in Worlds or IPF or, or USAPL Raw Nats. It hasn't super happened yet on the platform since probably Brett Gibbs, right? 
Mm. Is it tough if you, if you're prepping and you're like, I don't know if I see danger ahead or is it like, I don't necessarily need danger. I just need the platform and I'll make my show happen. Yeah. I mean, this is something that I've kind of had to change recently. Um, for me, like I, I remember when I was, I guess like coming up and um, I was earlier on in my, in my competition career, it would be like attacking um, the other competitors. So it's like, okay, this 83 is this close or this 83, like this is my competition for this particular meet. I need to have them in mind when I'm training. Um, but things have shifted a little bit to where now my focus is more so um, I'm competing against, I'm competing against things that I make up in my own head. <laughs> like, right. Um, so let's say, for example, like recently, I think you were having the conversation or like with Robert Ashley, you're having the conversation about like, who's going to squat 700, who's going to squat more, Mir and Jamar, or like, who's going to squat 700 first? Like I have some fine motivation in those type of things. So it's like, oh, like, you know what I'm saying? King of Lips thinks this, this is going to squat this. Like, All right, yeah, yeah. I'm going into this session. I'm going to talk my shit. I'm going to get amped up for that. Or just like, um, shout out to Sean. Sean one time made a comment saying that I'm going to pull last. Like I'm going to be the last one pulling my flight. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh no, you're not. Yeah. I'm like, are, are we doing the same competition? Like, are we, do, are we doing the same meet? So you pulling last? What is it like? What yeah. is it like? I was like, I was like, are you on platform B or? <laughs> so like, so, like stuff like that motivates me now. And then even taking that even further, um, going outside of my weight class, people like, um, whenever they talk about who's the the greatest powerlifter at this moment, um, people say Taylor. People might say Ashton. People have other people to say other than me. So that motivates me even more to, it's like, oh, they think like, I mean, not even think. I mean, I will give it to them. Like at this moment, I think Taylor is the, is the you know, the best powerlifter. I mean, numbers prove that too. Um, so stuff like that motivates me. I have to go outside of my weight class in order to kind of get myself amped up to get inside the gym to uh, train. This leads to a pretty good question here. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about this, like, Obviously, there's options in terms of your future. And I don't want to, you know, tread past worlds. We'll get into worlds for sure. Yeah. But a couple of questions I had, like in terms of possible options and motivating factors. Obviously, Taylor is, is there and Taylor, um, a, a possible head-to-head -head to Taylor would be absolutely bonkers. But a head-to-head, -head, the best possible head-to-head -head in my mind's eye, I love when it's direct head-to-head -head competition in the same weight class. Yeah. Um, for myself as a viewer, it's more difficult to get behind if I got to grab a calculator, do a calculation with a formula while watching a sport. It's like watching basketball and you shoot a hoop. And then I got to grab a calculator, figure out how much that hoop's worth. I shoot the same hoop from the same distance, but because I'm a little shorter or whatever the heck, you have to give me more points on my hoop I make, but we made the same hoop. It's like, it's a, when you watch sports, we're the only sport, I think that, well, one of the only sports, none of the major sports really do that. And in terms of viewing, it's easier just to say, doesn't matter how tall you are um, in basketball, you shoot that three-pointer. It's a three-pointer if you shoot it from the same spot. And it's just easier to view and be like, I got you. Same with boxing. Mike Tyson was shorter than everyone else. You just have to make it work. You don't get more points if you win that round. Yeah. So what about yourself in terms of motivation? Does it motivate you to try to beat somebody on like using a calculator in a competition that might be using a calculator and be like, I'll feel good about that. Or do you get more ramped up when you show up and you're like this guy, like the Brett Gibbs situation, this guy is head to head weighing in with me two hours before we're going to hit the platform. It's just kilos, man. Yeah. No, it's for sure. It's for sure. The head to head. Like, I think the reason why I lean more towards uh, the, the Taylor thing and the point system is because that's kind of all I have to lean on right now. Right. Um, but definitely the Brett Gibbs thing. I mean, there's nothing, 
there's nothing that gets me amped up knowing that like all the work that you put in right now is going to determine whether or not you you have the ability to even stand across this other guy. Um, that 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 gets me more amped up than anything. Because I like you said, man, it's it's kind of tough. It's like you gotta sit down and calculate that shit. Like, okay, like because of the, because of my weight class, I'm only so far ahead, and like you know, he's way more further ahead, so that gives me more points and all that kind of uh, all that kind of shit. So, I mean, for me personally, yeah, the head to head by far, it's not even close. It's just my circumstances dictate that I have to buy motivators from other things. Fair enough, and and it's true, like. And even that context changes in history. Like the formulas we use have changed in the last three years, like three times. So then five years from now, if they have a new formula, they'll double back and rewrite history. Like, oh no, actually with the new formula, Russ was always winning. And it's like, well, you know, <laughs> it could change everything, man. New yeah. people coming in don't even know what Wilkes was, the Wilkes formula. Like new people, powerlifting, um, I think Arian, we were talking about this before, how the cycle is like two to three years. So in like three years time, people come in and not even know what the Wilkes formula was. They're like, the fuck was that? Who was Jesse Norris? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> they don't know shit. It's, it's crazy. So it is true. And nothing will ever beat the head to head. Yeah. Nothing will ever beat um, when two people face off, say less. This guy lifted more. I don't need a big story about it. Having said that, um, and Arian, as usual, man, you, you could throw your hand up if you want to jump in. I, I'm moving kind of quick, but I have like a couple of hot hot questions oh. I had off the top of my, my head. Go but, for um, it. Briefly, you had said when you were at the world championships, I seen you in the warm up, and you were like, um, man, people don't realize it's, it's different when you get here. I've talked about it to, with a couple people who've been on the podcast. And, um, you know, we saw a bit of that leading into raw nats. People are talking about a podium for 83 kilo that could be all like 830 and up and, and like crazy. And you're going to hit 850 and up and blah, blah, blah. And like, like people, like I'm telling you, and uh, you know, you've been around the block. Like I've seen enough of these type of hypes coming into, and the same with going into world. Some people take like, well, if this person does this, like a local meet or this kind of meet, you know, you know, I have worlds, if they went to worlds, you know, it, yeah. but when you get to worlds, you're going to find out it's the same thing as happened at us for that. It's like, but you've been around the block now several times, you know, um, you, you got a couple streets named after you on that block by this point. <laughs> so now you look when we're, you know, you said in the warm-up room, you're like, it's not like people think when you get here, you know, yeah. maybe expand a little bit on that. Like you were experienced, you know, traveling to the other side of the world when it's, I, I did a quick video on people's reaction to you. When you show people from all over the fucking world, from all over Asia, all over Europe, all mm. over like, you know, South America, when they see Russell or he and, and everything, man, it's a game changer. Yeah. How is it different? What, why is it so different? Do you think? Man, I, Man, everything is different. Like, I don't even know how to explain. It's a tough one. I know, I know. You know. I can explain it. It's just going to take forever because you can literally just detail every little aspect of international travel and international competition that makes it different from competing locally. Like, I think people don't understand, and, and it's most of the people that haven't uh, competed internationally. Um, it's something that you have to actually do to kind of understand it. But, I mean, let me just ring off a couple of the things, right? So let's talk about just the, the financial aspect of it, right? So... Uh, who knows, maybe you have to put in some extra hours at your job in order to afford to go travel international. That's going to take away from your training. That's number one. Number two, the flight time. I mean, for me personally, it was, I think, uh, it ended up being almost a 24-hour travel time. from Holy shit, man. Delays, like, delays and all that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm fortunate enough to where I could afford, like, a business or a first-class type of flight to get into these places. So I'm traveling comfortably, 
but at the same time, not everyone has that luxury. So maybe you're sitting coach or sitting economy, your legs are bent. Yeah. <laughs> your legs are bent for I for probably 12 hours straight, bro. Like that affects your lifting. Like I you you must have like Megan Stallion knees if you're gonna come up <laughs> that fight and your kneecaps are okay. Like it's gonna affect you. It's gonna affect you in some type of way, right? So that's just travel alone. Sleep, you're not recovering the way you should be recovering. I my sleep schedule was fucked going into the competition like when i was in sweden i was literally sleeping all day like because i just didn't recover from the travel time and i slept on the plane too so you're probably not recovering the way you're supposed to when you're overseas if you do not if you do not pack accordingly right so when i got to sweden i mean i still have to do a weight cut i still have to drink a shit ton of water Um, groceries are a lot different in like overseas at least than in america america you have the pick of the litter you can choose they have like anything for everything Mm. like I don't think people understand that. America is very, very convenience-based. Overseas ain't really like that. You're not going to find like too many things that, that fit a specific need that you have for the particular situation that you're in. So that's another component of it. And that might affect your wake up, make it a little bit tougher. Um, then we're not even talking about the actual competition itself. It's definitely not like American meets. It's a lot more um, regal. It's a lot more serious. It's a lot more um, buttoned up. So you don't have that hype. You don't have your boys with you. You don't have like the homies. You're not seeing people that you see all the time that you're familiar with. The judges, you've probably never seen them before. Mm. Um, and we talk about judging. Judging is, is a lot different than it is at local meets. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. It is a very common thing to drop your openers to make sure that you just get on the board. Um, Cause you, might, you you never know. I mean, I think every single world the hot topic is like, damn, these judges are tough on death. Damn, these judges are tripping on death. I'm just like, it's like this every year, bro. Just. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, every, it's the same fucking conversations every single year. I don't know, man. They're calling it. They're calling it kind of tough, man. They're calling it kind of tight. Our lower openers. I'm like, it's like this every year, man. Just lower it, smash depth, and get on the board. Um, and, and you break world records out there. Like you, you know what the strike zone is. You go yeah. in there, just like you said. You're like, dog. This is nothing new. Yeah. This is just new to those people. Yeah. And then on top of that, I mean, I think I kind of like highlighted that when I was on the platform, bro. It is quiet. <laughs> <laughs> It is quiet on that platform, man. man like when you, I, I don't know why it hit me this particular me, but this I always knew it was quiet. But this me, I walked on that platform. I was like, "Damn, this shit is quiet." <laughs> <laughs> what messed me up was that there was people in the room. Like it was pretty. <laughs> it was packed for you, they're, man. They're it just was, staring. They, they, yeah, they were staring like you're going to give a speech, dude. It was. Yeah, you felt like it was packed. It was. It was. Um, like I gotta say, for anyone who like was listening, watching the live stream, you didn't see the audience, but people showed up for the '83s. Russell Orhi. I talked about. Um, you know, for us to back it up. Well, let, let's hit this up. I'll back it up after this. But when you hit the platform, it, a yes, the venue was fucking packed for you, sir. And you hit the platform and you could feel it. And you went like, come on, you rallied the troops. And when you rallied the troops and said like, let's go, let, let, you know, this sounds, I forget what exactly he said. You're like, this isn't an exhibition lift because there's a world record on the bar. You're like, let's go. And you started rallying people up. The room fucking reciprocated and gave you the energy you wanted. And when you smashed that dude and walked under the bar towards the crowd with your arms up, like it was like, that's the fucking Russell Orhi show. You know, that's what you changed it and, and got the energy back up. Yeah. But you're 100% right, man. It was way different once you got out there. Yeah. So, I mean, like, just think of, like, if you're a lifter, just think about all those different components. Like, we're, like imagine if you're a very cerebral um, 
intellectual type of lifter, that shit's going to fuck you up. And then yeah. on top of that, if you're just a, a hype lifter, I mean, you ain't got no hype. You just got yourself, <laughs> you know? So it's it's different out there, man. It's, it's definitely different. Every international competition is super different from anything you're going to do locally. And, and something to take into consideration, when you hit the platform too, and like you said, if you're a hype lifter, and like you have your crew with you normally because like the travel distance could be there. But you got to also understand some of these people might not know when you hit the platform, every other person in the audience is from a different country and you might be going against their guy. You know what I mean? Like there's wow. a, they're, they're, so it's, it's not a home game, so to speak, right? If this is sports, like it is sports, but um, it's, it's, it's an away game, you know, unless you're like Gustav Hedlund and it's Sweden he'll have the whole crowd behind him where Jonathan Keiko's like, damn, you feel a little lonely out there. Yeah, like yeah. if you're going head to head with a Swede and it's in Sweden, like that wasn't the case for you. But if you were in New Zealand going against Brett, dude, that's going to be rough. You'd be like, oh, damn. Yeah. like it would be a whole different scenario. Whereas um, if it's us raw Nats and you're there, your friends and family can go more than likely, or at least some people it's fairly even ground, but yeah, it's totally different. And also the fact um, and, and yeah, you can't emphasize enough the, the changing of the time zones and the tra how the travel fucks up. Like I couldn't sleep, dude. I could not sleep. Even when time zone was back, I was very aware. I wasn't not home, not even home. I wasn't in the right country. I wasn't like, you were so aware your body, you think like, I'll just sleep. Like you go back in your hotel room. And when you feel like this room, this hotel is filled with people from all over the world. This is an international event. And with the, this live on the Olympic channel. And this is like, you are, you, you're keyed up, man. It's different. And you are like, fuck, just sleep, man. Just sleep, bro. And you close your eyes. You're like, I can't, man. And like, it's easier said than done. Yeah, the, the, time, the times that I felt sleepy were the times that I should have been feeling awake. And it was like, <laughs> so it's like when I'm up, I'm like, damn, I'm, I'm tired. Or yeah. like when like the, the sun goes down, I'm like wide awake. And then <laughs> when the sun comes back up, I'm like knocked out. So it was, it was messing with me because I knew I was like, I got to compete at this time. Like, I, I, I can't be feeling tired. When you were in the hotel, mm -hmm. like... Is it weird to be, cause, cause I like, no joke, man, everybody, like when you hit you, you almost couldn't be in the hotel lobby. It was like, unless you had to be there for like a half hour, cause you're going to get pictures in the whole nine. Is it weird for you? Like to see how far you've come in a short period of time, relatively short anyways, we're like now like people from all over the world, this isn't just in the home nation. Now Like you got people from all over the world now being like, Russell, let me get a picture with you. You know, is it, is that weird that like a queue will, if you chill there long enough, a queue will start to form? Um, it's, I don't want to say it's weird. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of different things. It's weird. Um, it's, it's more so humbling though. I remember going up to my room and I'm like, I was like, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm getting older or what, but I'm, I'm, I'm like, damn, near about to cry. Cause I'm just like, when you really like step back and think about it, you don't realize like how many lives you impact or just like how many people are just watching you not even just like in your city, but just across the world. Like, it's just, yeah. I don't know, it's just very, very surreal. Like I got people from Japan coming up to me, um, Ireland, like some dudes from India, like so many different countries. I'm like, I didn't even know, like, I mean, I know, but at the same time, it's another thing to actually be presented with that physically. And it's like, hey, I'm from here and I watch your stuff all the time. Like you got me into piloting or like you did this for me. I'm like, what? Like, it's just, I don't know, it's very, very surreal. But yeah, at the same time, it is weird. Um, it was kind of funny though. Like when I, when I, when I got there, I got there like pretty late 
and immediately it's like I'm trying to check in I thought I forgot my wallet at the train station so like people are like kind of like forming and then it's just yeah it was it was uh it was definitely interesting for real it's so wild and the thing is too whatever's going on with you like you if you thought you forgot something like at the like your wallet at the train station or um you know like if you have like no sleep you're tired as shit and yeah. i've been in that situation where i'm down in the lobby and i'm trying to get some coffee in me because i gotta freaking go live on the air and like it you know you can't just be tired and well i'm kind of tired i'm not behind the 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 video camera i have to be up right like and um some people catch you and they're like hey man and you understand like they're not gonna see you after this is over so they want to if they want to grab a pick or something you got to be like it, it makes you like appreciate as well. Like it doesn't fucking matter how you feel, man. Just be that guy that they expect you to be. Just do it. You know what I mean? Like it's tough. It is tough though, because you are literally like, holy shit. I think my passport is still in Denmark. <laughs> like, yeah. like, my passport could be in Denmark right now. Yeah. And I might I'm, sitting there, I'm like, oh my God, damn. Like, I think I really just left my wallet at the train station. I'm like, fuck, I need to go back and get it. But there's like people around and people are like, hey, <laughs> so I, I've always told this about my, I've always like, try my best to do this i don't care like where i'm at what i'm doing whatever if someone like takes time out of their day to like come up to me and say hey man like i like your content whatever i will literally sit there and talk to them i'll strike up a conversation with them get to know their name where they're from you know what they do what their interests are and like actually have a legitimate conversation with them um before i head on out or like we, we part ways um that's something that's very important to me just because i remember when i was coming up um i met one of like my I don't want to say idols, but someone that I watched and looked up to you, and he just like shitted on me. And I remember oh, how shit. Now, his, and his name was Brett Gibbs. But I remember like he, I mean, he he had some stuff going on, but he shitted on me. And I'm like, man, if I ever in life get lucky enough to get in that position, I would never ever in my life do that to someone ever. Yeah. And so I've always kind of taken my time with people and, and given them the time of day. So like my fucking passport and, and wallet could be on its way to, to Germany, but I'll still take my time to talk to someone. Like have that moment for themselves. Where was that wallet? No, it was funny because it was actually my backpack. <laughs> oh, thank <laughs> so God. I, took off, I took off running. I'm like halfway down to the train station. I'm like, oh shit, it's in my backpack. Dude, I did the same for like, like four days because I had my passport in a pair of my jeans. And for like, and I just, you know, whatever, at the end, of, you're so tired. You're so sleep deprived. You're so tired. You traveled the world. By the time you get where you're going, you just take off your jeans and toss them and you're not emptying your pockets first. And then by like five days deep, you have so much, like some clothes are dirty. Some clothes are eh, passable to wear again. Other clothes are like, you know what I mean? Like you got piles and whatever. And I'm like, where is my fucking passport? And I'm like, oh, you have that anxiety attack. Like you just have faith. I'll come across it at some point. Hopefully it's not like literally in a train or a plane or whatever the hell. And then on like the second last day, I found my passport in those same pair of jeans. Cause I'd cycled through my jeans and those jeans were back up again. You know, they were, they're getting pulled up from the miners back to the majors again. And I was like, Oh, there's my passport. Okay, cool. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a crap show when you go into the world championships. Was there like, any surprises? Was it because this was the first time in two years you had done an, uh, a Worlds? Do you get used to it? You, I, I mean, you've only done three, I guess, but at the same time, like, there's some things you can't fully get used to. Yeah. When you walk into something like this. Yeah. Um. No, nah, I don't think I get used to competing in general. Every meet is just own experience. Um. Now, 
you don't get, I mean, like you get used to it in the, in the sense that like, you know what you have to do, you know what to expect, but it's still like very, it still holds its, um, I guess, clout or just, it still holds its aura. So I'm like, damn, I'm literally competing against Ireland's best. I'm competing against UK's best. I'm competing against Canada's best. Like I'm competing against the world. Um, so no, that, I mean, just competing in general, man, like doing these bigger meets, it never really gets like old to me. In terms of like weighing options, um, well, first off, before you had came and you went to the world championships yeah, it, and there was an up down and it was like, holy shit, are we in or are we out the whole nine? Yeah. At some point you had to straight up send a letter and resign from USAPL. Yeah. And that had to have been a, holy shit, this is an all or nothing moment. That yeah. was one of those, that was a, a leap of faith moment where you're like, this has to happen now. Like if this doesn't happen and obviously afterwards it gets confirmed, don't worry, you guys can all come back. Don't worry. And, and I would assume that when the U S national team leaves, you're going to fucking change some things up, but yeah. you didn't know for sure. When you yeah. sent that letter in, you're kind of like, I don't know, maybe I'm closing the door completely. And if this gateway doesn't open up for me, like, like what, what, what were you thinking when you said that, were you just like, what were that's, you like a whole, that's a whole different stress that I almost forgot about. Like now that you bring it up, <laughs> we did have to do that. So going back to the, the, the whole getting ready for the meet and how it's so unique, I don't think people realize like, we, so the people that were invited to compete on the USVI um, or just that lane opened up for us, we had to send a formal letter of resignation to the USAPL, not knowing exactly what that's gonna do in the future. So we essentially had to say, hey, we want to leave this federation. And I mean, I don't know what comes after that. It's like, okay, well then bye. You can never come back to us ever again. Like right. that's what I was prepared to do. And I told myself, um, once we restarted prep, um, we had, I had something personally um, that I would say to myself. And it's like from Marvel um, Endgame, it's like whatever it takes, literally. Like I, I'll literally shit my future away for this one particular me because that's what I need to do in order to commit myself to this meet and like perform the way I want to perform. So it was just one of those things. I just kind of closed my eyes. And I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know this didn't allow me to do this. So, I mean, you know, gonna have to drop the USAPL. And it, um, cause historically speaking, like we know what happened with Kimberly Walford, USVI. So you never knew how this was going to fly. However, there's strength in numbers. There was a shitload of you guys and there would have been more if there was more spots. So action is more likely to be taken when there's a bunch of people. Um, but it could have went the other way uh, it, for people who were around in 2017 and 18, you remember things weren't always this way. Um, but it is what it is. So you make that leap of faith. Why, why do you think it was that important to go to the world championships, um, to do that? Cause you were obviously willing to risk a lot. Mm. Um, I mean, it's kind of like, I've said this to many people. I mean, there's no there's no comparison as to accolades when it comes to calling yourself a world champion. Like there's just, I'm, I'm sorry. There's, there's nothing you can tell me. I don't, I don't care if you told me you won hundred K doing a power to me or whatever. When I'm in these rooms, I'm talking to people and I'm like mentioning what I've done and, and like, what do I do for a living? When you say world champion, it just hits different. And I'm willing to sacrifice whatever it takes in order to, to get that accolade once again. And I'll continue to do that. Um, I didn't want to leave the USAPL, but it was just something that I had to do in order to make that dream come true. Uh, so it's just different, man. I mean, I don't know how to explain it. You're just in these rooms. Like when I tell my mom, Hey mom, I'm a world champion again. It is, I mean, I'm a world champion. Well, I can say it again, but I'm a world champion. 
it is just like crazy. All hell breaks loose. Like it's like, oh, my son is literally the best in the world at what he does. You can't, you can't. There's no amount of money that could make that go away. Like, I'll give you some. I'll just say something. Like, I'm from Nigeria. Um, I'm not. Well, I'm Nigerian. I'm not from Nigeria, but I'm Nigerian. And like, they're like, when you have a world championship, they're talking about throwing parades for you, like they did for uh, uh, for the UFC lifter. I mean, not UFC lifters, but UFC fighters that. Um, yeah. Like you seen um, Izzy, how he had that whole parade thing. They're talking about doing stuff like that for me just because I want a world champion. What? <laughs> I'm saying like people don't understand like the weight that carries whenever you say you are a world champion. That is like something that's recognized by the IOC and shit like that. Yeah. Like people just want to say, oh, you could you just do it a local meet and make a hundred grand. Like, and you compete against the best. So blah, blah, blah. I'm like, mm, I trust well, me, bro. Like my experience saying I'm a world champion is a lot different than just saying I won like hundred G's or something like that. Well, first off, you ain't making a hundred grand in a local. Yeah, that's, that's not total bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna make like three, three to five k if you win it all by a formula. You got to beat Taylor Atwood and every fucking Ashton, everybody. But um, one hundred percent, dude. People don't realize how big the world is. You know, because you've been to several world championships, traveled the world to do this. But yeah, it is that people like I see Naomi Albert now in France is like on TV shows um at giving speeches at 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 events in uh in newspapers and um like people don't understand what it's like and for for nigeria to be like fucking russell orhi is of nigerian descent like to know you impact people in across the world because they're like he's a world there's seven billion people in the world and he's the he's the best that rings bells across the world say less i don't need to I, it kills me that people might think like a state level competition, like you have to explain to people, this is a big deal because this guy, this guy, and this guy showed up. Well, who are these people? Well, they're, they're American lifters who are very, very good, best in the world. But it, you can't tell people in Nigeria, they're like, all right, that's cool. And yeah, I made like 5K. That's pretty cool. No, you, you win a world title, dog. <laughs> I think I say nothing. I think one of the better ways to put it too is like, okay, yes, I do understand that raw nationals and like competing against other Americans is probably the, the most competition I'll see. Um, but it's the same thing with like maybe like a Usain Bolt. Like the Jamaicans are probably the fastest on the planet. And when he's doing his his qualifiers, I'm sure like those dudes are clocking in faster than what he's doing at the Olympics. But when he goes to the Olympics, he gets all the accolades and then his his stock rises because he did it on the Olympic stage against other countries. So Jamaica can now prompt him. It's like, no, nah, we got the best in the world right here. So it's just a big difference. Like, it's like what Fat Joe is saying right now. It's like, yesterday's price ain't today's price. <laughs> Dude, I love that. <laughs> yesterday's price ain't today's price. It's not the same price, bro. Like, it's just not. I mean, I, I, I just can't. I mean, maybe some people just can't understand it until they actually experience it. Um, but I've been having this conversation for a long time with other people. And these people obviously... When they talk about like 83s, like, yeah, US, US Raw Nats 83s are stacked depth. But people, like, people are forgetting who Brett Gibbs is if they're looking past, like, by far your biggest rival in terms of sports is Brett Gibbs. Like, you guys are like, like, you guys pushed each other. When you guys went head to head, you don't know what's going to happen. That's the beauty of like a global market. People can pop up from anywhere because the possibilities are endless. Like, you never know, right? Like, it didn't happen at this world. And uh, in US Raw Nats didn't, you didn't, didn't get pushed neither, but you could. But like, when people say like, Russ's main competition is USAPL, it's like, not, like, not every year. It depends on the year. 
you know, we got to, you know, there, there are 83s worldwide as well coming up. So we'll see what happens, but um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a entirely different experience and three to five K isn't necessarily going to do it. And you can make this kind of like opportunities are going to arise from being a world champion too. Like if you want to, start doing speaking engagements, I guarantee you, you can start doing speaking engagements. And when you show up to corporations, because I've done speaking engagements, dog, so I know you could. So, um, it, and I've got a like uh, business chamber of commerce and, and local, like and done speaking engagements. So I know you could. And when you have on that resume, world champion, that's it, man. The, the people don't necessarily know your sport. Well, you got to understand outside of our sport, they just know sports general. And when they're looking at your resume, they're not going to know what, certain you know invitationals are or whatever they don't know any of that all you have to have is world champion and they're like okay bring him in he's a world champion athlete and he's going to talk about his experiences and some you know and, and striving for goals and obstacles you might hit and whatever the hell and then you get into your story and inspire people that'll get you through the door from now until the day you die yeah that's it you don't yeah. got to explain too much and you won't be able to explain too much it'll just be a line on a piece of paper you know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, I get it, man. I hope other people, you know, if they have the, I think people who have the opportunity to go to Worlds will take it. But I think if you don't have the opportunity, you're not really trying to hear that story. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. Erie, you got some questions. I, I got some more before I start overly taking over. Yeah, sure. Just going over this topic too. I was actually looking up one of my messages because a lifter from Sri Lanka was actually messaging me um, before Worlds. They end up not being able to go because they're like in the red zone for the European Union for for COVID, so they're not able to travel. But he was telling me how like you know some things are difficult, like getting equipment and getting sponsors and stuff like that. But this lifter broke like a Asian deadlift record, and the government gave him an apartment for it. So like the, the, these uh, people are thinking like only like you know the U.S. mentality or maybe the uh, Canada mentality. They're not uh, understanding how these other countries are and what they get for like breaking a continental record or a world record, just bringing back like a medal and the squat back home and stuff like that. So for these other people, the, the world championship means like something different and getting that world title means something different and their motivation is different. Um, so sometimes it's hard for us for like U.S. to be like, oh, well, you know, it's a sport no one cares about. And, you know, OK, you're world champion. You don't get anything out of it compared to this guy got an apartment. Other people Tom, um, what are, what are, are getting. Talking? Other people are getting payouts for like a bronze medal in the squad or something like that. So it's pretty crazy what some of these other uh, lifters from these other nations get. I think people also don't think about like how, I mean, U.S. is like one of the few countries that the government doesn't really pay attention to the, the I mean, the IPF like that. The other countries, like they get like payouts, they get like, they get paid to power up year round. Yeah. Um, they're able to bring medals and like um, honor to their country. Like it's a lot different overseas and, um, I think people are just so focused on like what they have in this little bubble here. I'm like, I don't know, man, when you, when you call yourself a world champion, it carries, it carries weight. It, it, a thing too is what you might not necessarily take into context, um, like within the U S exactly. What we said the U S government is not going to come in, help out, whatever. Right. So you have to do it on your own. I respect that. You got to do what you got to do, but worldwide, the reason why IPF kind of pushes for that IOC recognition is because these other nations will on board if you're IOC recognized. So then if you're like, yes, we're IOC recognized, we are in the European games, the Asian games, the university games, the, you know, if you're in all these multi-sport where you literally show up world games, which is going to go classic soon, by the way. So you could be at the world games, which is a multi-sport. You have like an athlete compound, just like the Olympics, where you have like all the swimming, gymnastics and all the fucking rest of it, like Taekwondo and all, all those different sports there. Um, so when you're part of that, 
the governments worldwide start kicking in money. So the coaching, the athletes, sometimes travel expenses, all that paid for um, compensation. If you win medals and whatnot, like this is the IPF and the guy got his, he didn't even make it to worlds. He got his apartment paid. Like it's crazy. So then other nations are going to online. It becomes more global. So that's how you get 130 nations on. And then we got shit like China coming and it's like, Oh, Nelly, if China gets involved, man, it depends on to what degree, but even there, even if like the top one percenters go to Olympic lifting and then the guys just under that going to powerlifting, dude, it's scary with some of these people are doing like the yeah. Chinese are like, it's crazy. Right. Um, so we'll see what happens, but in terms of like the growth of the sport, it's, it's pretty important to do some of these things. So when we get on the Olympic channel and we're trying to, and we like powerlifting and we're trying to make moves and make things happen. Um, for you to show up, it's big. And for you to show up, regardless of who's there, and get the crowd behind and smash a world record squat and then celebrate with the crowd after you hit it because they give you that energy. You're like, give me this energy and I'll give it back. And you smash and you step forward. Dog, it's big. For like, there are executives in, in IOC watching, paying attention and seeing the ratings and how it plays on TV and how it goes. When it's fucking action like that, man, you know, it's big for the entire sport. I can't stress enough when we're trying to make certain moves. Um, I don't know if you like think about, do you think about stuff like that? Like, like these five years from now, you could be looking back and like, these are certain moments that push us all forward. Um, I don't like specifically think about it. Uh, it's more so just like after the fact, I'm like, okay, that was hopefully like I represented well, like I didn't turn anyone off or do anything too much, you know? Um, but when I'm in the moment, I'm just kind of like reacting off my emotion. Um, so it, it, I'm not thinking about it specifically, but I do think that there are certain things um, that I do that I'm like, okay, like I wish, hopefully this is being received well, because I feel like this is something that could catch on. Um, but I don't think about it like, okay, I need to do this in order to get us more popping. Like I don't move like that. It's just more so like just me being me. And I'm like making sure that I'm not afraid to express myself um, when I'm in these moments. Because you look like you're a hell of a showman. That must be just natural then. If you're like, no, that's, that's what I felt. I wanted, I wanted the room to get their energy up because it would help me. And, and it was just legit how you felt. You weren't telling yourself when I get there, I'm going to the Russell. Cause I was on commentary. I was like, that's the Russell or he show has commenced. And, and it, cause you got everybody rallied up. And then like, um, it doesn't matter if it was a walkaway victory for you. People left that session. Like, Holy shit. That was, that was fire. And most people, if it's a runaway session, it's, it's dead. You know, it's like, uh, it's like Usain Bolt's jogging, just jogging. You know what I mean? Where it's so you need someone. But so I was wondering if you like knew or if it's like, no, man, that's just how I'm, I just moved in that direction naturally. And more so it came from the fact that we didn't have worlds last year. And I felt like we weren't appreciating it while we were there. I, I, I like my first two attempts, I'm like, why is everyone acting like this is moment? Not what I was doing, but just the fact that we were back here competing and having powerlifting again. We, we didn't have this shit last year, man. Like we had this shit shut down. So I'm like, man, we should be excited. Like, we should be so thankful that we have this opportunity. So my last squat, I was like, no, nah, fuck that. Like, I need everyone to get loud. Like, I need I need y'all to act like y'all want to be here because, like, we didn't have this last year. So get loud. Like, I kept saying this ain't a chess match. Like, Is that what you said? This ain't a chess <laughs> match. Okay. 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 I was watching because I'm like, I'm like, this ain't a chess match. Like, don't, it's, it's okay to be loud. Like, this is way lifting. Like, I need to hear y'all. Like, I need to hear something. That's what I kept saying. Yeah. 
it's funny because it's it's multicultural. So you have people from different cultures who aren't necessarily the hooting and hollering type necessarily, right? So you know, it's funny when you get, but they get they reciprocated. Yeah, Man, they were nuts. They they got behind you. Just took a little bit, like like they started laughing. <laughs> What's that? Sorry, I said some of the judges started laughing because I caught them in the corner of my eye because I'm like. I kind of looked at him. I was like, I was like, this ain't a chess match. <laughs> <laughs> and he leaned over. He's like, yeah, I mean, it's not a chess match. <laughs> he, he ain't lying. He ain't lying. No, uh, I, you got people from Eastern Europe in some parts of Asia where like you totally would be more reserved. You just wouldn't, right? So yeah, when you hit the platform, it's just you. You're like, no, man, it's okay. Like, rally behind me. Um, and, you know, I, I, when I released the Taylor Atwood podcast and he talks about his mentality, and people are talking about the goat mentality, how a, a lot of, you know, I'm not here to be your friend. Um, you know, he, he was dropping sound bites like a month. That guy was on yeah. on that podcast. It was it was a fire podcast. My man was on. Do you bring that same type of mentality or do you bring it when necessary? If you have a Brett or a Sean or someone who's possibly threatening um, or is it like, is it 24 seven or like, which explain maybe a bit your mentality because it's it's going to be different it had to have been different this time around yeah so me personally i mean it really depends on the build-up and the prep leading up to the competition um 2019 round national i wasn't i wasn't trying to be friends with nobody like i feel like there's a lot of but like there's a lot of like back and forth and just me personally when i walked into that that uh that, that arena and that weight room and all that i was pissed like i wasn't in a good 2019 oh, oh my bad last year 2021 Gotcha, 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 gotcha. I was yeah. not in a good mood. Like I was like, I was like, nah, like I'm not playing with y'all. Like y'all, y'all, y'all wanted to be funny leading up to this. All right, cool. Like I want to see <laughs> that um, that that quote. You you want to get funny? Because we could get hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So to, for me, like, um, same thing with Brett too. Like I wasn't trying to really be buddy buddy with Brett. I was just like, I'm gonna lock in and do what I do. Um, because like it was so much like back and forth like oh Brett's gonna smash for us and like it's gonna be the same as last year and all that so my mentality going into that was like all right I'm gonna show these guys uh this meet was a little bit different just because I was more so I was drained but I was also thankful for the opportunity and also like I kind of go off of people's energy because it's kind of hard to be cutthroat when you got like lifters coming up to you and saying like yo good luck at the competition you got the coaches talking to you like you got your, you got other coaches from different nations helping you like put like loads together it's just it's kind of hard to i'm not like an asshole so i'm just right that's tough i'm not supposed to do to be like yo i'm I'm gonna be your guy like yeah that's hard yeah it just it just wasn't it just wasn't right so after i hit like a lift everyone's like hey man that was fast i'm like like, (laughs) you know you're from a different nation you should be saying that to me (laughs) right so in that moment it's just it's really hard to be like not nah, fuck that I'm the goat like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking this from y'all like I just feel like it, it wouldn't it wouldn't match the energy that was in the room at the time yeah and there is like I guess a balance between how you want to come off too um yeah. like you like kind of like you're talking about earlier where you're like I don't it'd be tough if someone's like 50 kilo behind you and and you like breeze by them in the warm room and they try to say congratulations as opposed <laughs> to um like that's you'd be like I don't think we're helping either person here right? like, he's like he's like dog i'm so far i'm not a threat it's okay but um on the flip side if it was like a brett or a sean then it would be like all right man i gotta watch you know this is this i gotta be on this can't be yeah don't get me wrong when it comes when it's there i'm with the shits like so 
I remember Taylor, this happened, this happened um, 2019, Taylor, I mean, I think I told the story before, but Taylor and his dad, I don't know if you like met his dad. His I met his dad, yeah. Yeah, his dad's a character. He's not a first mind, yeah. Hey dog, he, he's, he's not shy. He's a character to yeah, say the least, yeah. Shy. So I think he saw me and then um, I think he's also, oh, this is the 83. He's like, okay, like my son's gonna come for you. I oh like, shit. I was like, like, I mean, I'm not, I ain't no, you know, I'm not a pussy. So I'm like, all right, like bring him, like let him come. Like I'm waiting, yeah. like I'm waiting, I'm right here. I ain't going nowhere. So yeah. like, you know, I'm, I'm with it, but it just depends on who's bringing that energy. I'm not finna like be in there with other competitors. And if they're showing love, I'm not finna be like, no, nah, I don't want that. Like, you know? Mm -hmm. You've done an amazing job at cultivating your brand and not getting pulled into some, to some unnecessary bullshit. If you think it's, um, here's what happens, man. This is like social media. And I'm going to tell you, because you handle your social media, like bang on. Um, but people try to punch up or pull themselves up, hoping you'll respond. Your platform is far bigger than other people's. So they might take shots or they might whatever. And you can ask yourself, is this somebody I see eye to eye with in terms of like competition or terms of reach or, or does this value me responding or not? Because if you wanted to start responding to everybody, dog, you responding to like, it'd be every day because people would be like, oh shit. If, if Russ reposts what I just posted in his stories, yeah. bam, you know what I mean? Or if Russ makes a YouTube video and bam, I'm on. Um, so you got to be mindful of that at the same time. Like you might in your mind's eye be like, I want to fucking like this. Who the fuck is that guy? I'm going to light this kid up, but you could maybe just tell somebody in person, but not respond in real life. But you've negotiated this very well. And I've like on a personal side, try to do the exact same where sometimes people throw shots and I'm like, God damn it. But then you're also like, think about this better. Like, you know, you know when people talk shit, I, I take it on the, like people that live with me, they know what I'm like. They know what I'd be saying. So like yeah. when I'm training, I get it all out in training. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if someone's talking spicy, then like you're gonna know that someone's talking spicy when I'm in the weight room. So I'm talking to my boys about it. I'm like, oh, I'm like, ooh, so and so talking that shit. Yeah. I swear, like, I swear when I pull up on the platform, he's not gonna say nothing. I'm like, yeah. watch, I'll get in that weight room, he's not gonna say nothing. And like I'll I'll say that in the weight room, like when I'm training, but I won't, I would never like put that out in public for people to see because. I mean, it serves no purpose. I'd rather use that energy to my advantage and then take that out on you when I can, whenever it's time. And some people will never stop. You yeah. say one thing back and they will yeah. cherish that for the next year as a reason to keep clapping so that there's like some, they'll, they'll stretch it out where it's like, man, you're trying to make something really like it's, it's going to be bigger on you. Little things like that happen to me where like I say something minor on a podcast or I don't say something and people are like, that's a fucking diss. And it's like, I, <laughs> I was not even thinking about, but they're like, we need, we're going to tag the fuck out of them. And hopefully he says something. It's like, man, I don't even know what's going on here. And you're like, I'm not, you, you can feel what's happening. You're like, there's, they're trying to get some momentum off some shit, but like, you got to be careful on that. Right. Even if you try to explain yourself, if you're explaining, you're losing at times. And it's like, I, I just got to keep, keep moving forward to use like a hockey frame. It's like, keep your stick on the ice, kid. Just keep, keep your stick on the ice. Stop look, you know? Um, but on the flip side, there is points in time where you're like, it could be like, I am knee deep. There was no denying there was a sporting rivalry here. And um, is there times where you're like, there is no denying. Like, like for instance, when you and Brett are going head to head, it's like, 
it is what it is. I can't pretend, you know, this is, you know, this is, this is even playing field. It is what it is. So some things have to be addressed. Right. Yeah. I mean, him, like, yeah, him. No, nah, I don't, I won't disrespect. <laughs> I won't disrespect him. Cause I know the, I know the threat he is. I'm not finna like, no, nah, I don't, I don't ignore that. Um, I get why people would choose him. I just, I'm just like, well, since you choose him, I'll, that'll motivate me more to train. I'm not going to be sitting there. It's like, oh, they're stupid and pick him or whatever. I was like, Dog, oh. that was me, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, I became I became a I became an audio clip on one of your videos. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was fire too. That was a fire video. Yeah, I get it. Like I'm not stupid. I'm like okay. Like he is, he is strong. He did he did beat my ass like that one time. So I mean I'm not I'm not when it comes to people like that or like even Taylor, um, and his dad like saying like oh like he's gonna come up and beat you. I'm like okay like I get why you say that, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna back down from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it um. So speaking on, is that, do you think, because the Taylor thing's got a little bit of hype, but on the flip side, you obviously are not cutting to 74 and a calculator will be, is all right. Um, but it's not the, it's not, it's not an amazing, you know, it, I'll like, look at if you guys were going head to head, we could bust out the calculator, but we kind of, you guys have kind of already done the head to head, but it's not, doesn't quite have the same feel. Is there unfinished business with that in terms of Taylor where you're like, like, do you have any unfinished business? Do you think now having one U.S. Raw National title, what are you at right now? Uh, four. Four, okay. So yeah, four there, two world titles. Um, you've had a bunch of showdowns, head-to-head, big ones, you know, multiple times with Sean, um, Brett, back, back-to-back type deals. So some of these were heavily hyped. Do you feel like you got some unfinished business where you're like, I, I, I need to cap it off with this lifter or achieve this total, et cetera, in terms of motivation? For him, honestly, okay, so I know Taylor, I'm, I'm assuming Taylor's kind of be, uh, going to be listening at some point or something. So Taylor, it's all respect. Like, I mean, you're, you're another mentality. Um, but for me, I think my my last Raw National, I mean, my, my last two performances um, has people thinking or believing that he could compete as is and beat me. Like, all he has to do is just go nine for nine and maybe he beat me, right? Um, so my thing now is like, okay, I need to put together a total that will just stop that conversation. Cause I, I mean, like, I know what I'm capable of and I feel as though my last two performances don't show that. Um, so that's what also keeps me in the gym as well. It's like, I'm hungry to kind of put together that total where it's just like, um, okay, like, all right, like maybe that isn't a feasible thing. Um, but at the same time, he's earned that respect to where he's put together some crazy performances where it has people questioning like oh shit like he could just stay as a 74 and still you know be rushed so um yeah it's just more so just me being motivated to to get the total that i have in mind i can totally see that where a guy like yourself who obviously has a tremendous amount of self-respect in the work you put in would be like can't let people have that conversation yeah. <laughs> you know where you'd be like with all due respect taylor you're killing it good on you but yeah. this conversation's got to get deaded real quick. I don't care where, where it's at or what happens. Um, it's more so just me fighting against how good he is. It's like, damn, he's that good to where people are not having that conversation. As a weight class below him, they think he could beat me. It's just like, fuck, I need to get on my shit and get my total up so I can end that. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. And do you think um, do you think that maybe that might happen down the road, like you versus Taylor in the 83s? I have no clue. That's That's something you have to ask him. I'm so people are like, oh, would you be, I mean, we kind of had this conversation before. It's like, oh, would you be scared if you moved up? I'm like, no, because that will force me, that will like bring something out of me that hasn't been brought out of me in a long time. So it's just like that, that precision focus 
to where like every single meal I eat <laughs> is like catered towards the platform. Um, like everything I do is catered towards the platform. I haven't, I've done that for 2021 Raw Nationals, but it's been a while since I've walked in like that truly. So I think that if he were to ever decide to move up to 83 or something like that, then it would force me to kind of do that. So it's almost the concept of like a rising tide. What is it like a rising tide raises all ships? Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's just going to sharpen me the way that I think I would sharpen. Do you think if he moved up, that would be the biggest clash you will have faced? Where do you rank that in terms of, let me ask you, let let me, let me do a two part question. Cause this is, this is big. Uh a, in terms of hype, because the hype on Taylor is fantastic right now, and B, threat level, which aren't always the same. Uh, you, you, you could probably say, look at the hype on me versus Sean was outweighed the threat level, but the hype is crazy. Whereas, um, so it's not always the same. So g- give me what you feel about the hype level. Would it be the biggest in threat level? Good question. I feel like with him, I mean, the threat's there. Uh, yeah, man, I feel like that that would be like a big ass, that would be a big ass event for sure. Cause I think, um, man, he's capable. He's, that's the thing. He's capable and people want to see the spectacle of someone from a lower weight class, like competing against someone, um, two of the best, like the best 74 versus the best 83. It's like, oh shit, the 74 might actually like beat the 83. So I think just that hype alone. I mean, and him as an 83, like he won't be 74 kilo. Let's say he bulks up to as big as his, you know, his frame can handle. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I don't even know if that's like the best option because maybe that changes, yeah. you know, um, where he lives and might take away from it. But I mean, like the thing with Brett though, is that Brett, I, I was, con- I'm convinced that like when he's on, he's stronger than me. Like if he were to go nine for nine, I think that he could put together like a, a, a crazy total. Um, so it was more so it's like two factors had to play, um, two factors had to come true or kind of play out. Number one, like, I have to go nine for nine, can't miss a lift. And then number two, like, he has to miss something. So I just feel like if he gets everything, I don't know if, like, I don't know if I'm stronger than him at that particular juncture whenever we're competing against each other. Um, so Taylor, I feel like since he's not punching up, but he is going up weight class to get go against me, I have to almost, like, be like, oh, shit, if, if like, not a little bro, but if this if this <laughs> lifter knocks me out, like, yeah. Hey, <laughs> the embarrassment is going to be like greater than that of like losing to a Brett Gibbs. Does that Fair. make sense? Yeah. So I feel like I have more to lose and then he has everything to gain. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Because he literally would be like, if he loses you, he's like, well, I mean, I lost yeah, to Right. Right. Whereas if you lose, you're like, fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was like kind of like, it was like when Izzy went up, like, you know, if Izzy loses, it's right. not the end of the world. Like, you know, he went up a weight class. And so I think it'd be interesting if it was like the Arnold or Sheffield where they can hype it up going in because you can build the storyline and build the hype. And even if at the meet, let's say you beat him by 20 pounds or 30 pounds and it's not close in the end, at least they really built up that hype. And, you know, maybe he weighed in, you know, 77 or 78 kilos and trying to push you. I think that would make for a, a crazy competition, at least going in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. And to get to Sheffield, you guys both have to be world champions or they have wild card entries. So maybe not necessarily, but Sheffield is going to be absolutely bonkers in terms of their ideas. So that would be like, we all remember the poster where it was Brett, you and Taylor on that poster. And it said, there can only be one. My man, now that's even more sizzling hot. If Brett comes back and And Taylor Taylor comes back. Taylor is what he is now. And then yourself having done what you just did. 
Um, yeah, it's pretty, it's kind of, it's tough because it was you three who were best lifters last time we were in Sweden at the world championships. And then this time it was just you, mm. you know, of those three, you know, the, you know, our, our fellas left and you guys are clustered close in body weight. And it's, mm. it's, uh, we had a bit of a three-way, a bit of a three-way rivalry where now it's, that's, that's kind of a shame. And I do agree. Like when you and Brett, damn, man, when you and Brett were going toe to toe, it is literally like you can't call it is so tight. I love when two guys clash as big as you guys are. And it's like, I don't know for real legit. Don't know. Flip a coin. I don't know. And if Taylor moves up and he's buck 80 something, and it's like, that would be absolutely bonkers. Um, those are two that I think like have to happen at some point. We break the tiebreaker with Brett. Cause now you're one and one. I'd like to see a third, but I'm not sure where Brett's at but we'll see. And then obviously the, the Taylor Atwood situation. Um, a couple of the questions I got, and this is like unanimous from people sending in is your ideas of possibly moving up to 93. Now I know Jonathan Keiko is a teammate of yours through flex. Um, I don't know if that makes any difference because it's not like you're fighting. It's just weightlifting. So, but you know, things can get changed when you do that kind of thing. What are your thoughts on moving to 93? Um, I honestly just don't have any desire to move up to 93. I feel like physically, I, I feel like my body's kind of almost peaked out, like, <laughs> for the most part, I feel like I've reached my natural limit when it comes to physique wise. So when I get up to like that 93 area, I just, I'm just not a big fan of how I, how I look, you know? Fair dog. Yeah. Hey man. Hey, look at man. If you came in chubby, you'd break my heart. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah, i'd be like he's no. like fat thor i'd be like yeah exactly i think not yeah. like this for us not it's, like not like, this. it's not like i look fat i just i just don't like walking around i'm i'm short man so like me at 205 is just for me personally it's just a lot um i still i mean like as as much as stupid as it sounds i still like to wear clothes and still look somewhat oh, for sure yeah i'm already pushing the limit i'm already at the limit so once i go up to 205 it's just a little bit too much yeah and, and would you ever do a competition? Um, I don't even know if, he, if he'd be worth it to like, just not cut, be a really small 93, or is it kind of like, essentially, what's the point then? If you're not going full send 93, it's not a full indication of what you could do. There's not really a whole lot of point to move in that direction. Yeah, it's almost like a, it's almost like a tweener. It's like, yeah, I mean, I'd rather just say 83. I mean, I feel like the, I'm not, I've tried doing that before, like just to get my feet wet. Like when I was uh, coming back from my bodybuilding show, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do a competition. I'm not going to cut weight. And uh, I don't know. I just don't feel like the performance would be, the, I don't know, man. I, I just don't have the interest because whenever I get ready for me, I like to walk in all the way and yeah. like taking the nutrition aspect out of it, would just kind of take away from competing. So I don't have an interest to do that because for me, I only compete two times a year. So when I compete, it's almost like an event. It's like, no, I'm in season right now. I got to make sure my nutrition's on point, this, that, and the third. Um, so if I was doing like a 93, I would be prepping, but just eating freely and just like, just the feeling would be different. It's, I know what you mean where there's something about the sacrifice and discipline that means you're in battle mode. Exactly. I'm sacrificing now, which yeah. means I'm disciplined. Mm -hmm. And um, somebody gave a quote. It was like, I read it on online. It was a guy was talking about how without discipline and sacrifice, you were a slave to your compulsions and emotions and cravings. And you're slave to those. Mm -hmm. 
People think sacrifice is like indiscipline is, is the opposite of freedom. It is actually freedom. It means you are no longer a slave to like, I'm hungry, I eat. I want this, so I do that. I want to go out and party, so I do. But you're a slave to that. When you have sacrifice and discipline, you are no longer a slave to those things. You, you are in control. And there's something freeing about that control. And when you're going into competition to be like, I've sacrificed to be here. My discipline's on point and you feel that way. So it's like, it's hard to explain to people who don't, who don't get it. You know, and some people, when they hear about people talking like that, they think like, um, you know, you shouldn't look at food like a reward. It's like, well, but maybe you just are rewarding yourself every damn day. Yeah. You, you celebrate when there's nothing to celebrate. It's yeah. like, you know, that's not the way life should work as either. There is a negotiation and balance behind it. Like there is no such thing as sweet without a little bit of sacrifice, right? It takes a little sweeter. Um, so yeah, I understand what you're saying there. And you got a couple more questions because I got some more on the chamber, kind sir. Oh, well, I was just going to ask and, and bring up because you guys were discussing it. Like, you know, I know, I know Ryan's trying to push the, you know, return of Brett or like, you know, Taylor moving up or, you know, what happens when Sean comes back and stuff like that. And there's a lot of stuff that can happen going forward with all this stuff and who goes where and what happens as far as national things like that. But you got Delaney Wallace sitting right there. And so what I'm wondering is, is like what your mentality would be like where you guys were talking about, you know, having a, you know, a competitor that's talking smack versus someone being your buddy is that he's on the same team. He has a solid total, maybe end of this year or beginning of next year, he puts up a bigger total and he's like the number one threat going into nationals is like, do you guys like talk uh, like on a regular basis? Like what's that relationship? Do you feel like it'd be like, you know, like a couple of friends, like having fun at nationals or you think you get a little bit more competitive? Uh, that's an interesting question. Because I, I actually work with him. He does like my uh, financial stuff. Because like he's a he's an accountant. <laughs> oh, that's right, too. He's the world's strongest accountant. Yeah, so I love yeah, that I, tag. I actually yeah. have a meeting on Thursday, so. <laughs> but, I mean, like it's it that's interesting. Um, I feel like, huh, man, that's something I don't have to think about. I, I feel like once it gets to we get into in season, it's like okay, we're prepping for the particular meet. Then I feel like the back and forth and stop for a little bit and then maybe we get a little bit more serious but i feel like at the end of the day before and after it would just be like a handshake all right bro good luck and then let the best man win from there so that's just a bridge i'd have to cross whenever it becomes a bridge um he's coming though he's he's very capable he could put up a bigger total than he did at nationals so that, that, that's what I'm saying. That that could be the, the big thing going to nationals is, you know, Russ versus Delaney, two of Joey's lifters and, and how close that battle is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's, yeah, that's very interesting. We would have to, you'd have to talk about that. <laughs> it would dude. Yeah. It'd be, it would be interesting. Um, especially like, you know, handling it, it depend on who does what, but like, would you want somebody handling him and you at the same time loading the bar? Cause yeah, it, it doesn't matter to me. I, I've done it before. Like, um, whenever Joey was uh, coaching Sean, it didn't bother me. I felt like Joey was making the decisions. That he would, like, give us the power to make decisions for ourselves as well. He's like, hey, this is X, Y, and Z. I think Sean doesn't have this. Or he might go to uh, Sean and be like, hey, I don't think Russ has this or whatever, and give us the tools. It's like, okay, like, you have this option. You can play it safe, get this, and then see if he's going to make a mistake or whatever, this out of third um do with that what you will uh I, I can't remember the specific conversation we have but it's like we can load more on deadlift and like you could secure him and force him to do something that he probably yeah like these are conversations that are like like just that conversation for me i personally because this is it like there, there was some gamesmanship with handling where you could be like if we do this we could force him to do that and if we 
you know, I think he's only got this judging by, but then if you got insider information, look, I know it was a rough cut. I know leading in grip issues. I don't think he's got this dead in him. Like it's one of those deals where it's like, man, I don't like for myself. I would yeah. be like, you only advocate for me. And you know, like this is it. You can't advocate for, you know, you can't, we, you can't be a lawyer for both of us. Like you, <laughs> It's honestly, it's a testament to like how Joey does it. Like I, it, the way he presented everything, I was like, that's fair to me. Like, it's fair. Like, um, cause there was that one meet where I was coming like of an injury and we were pretty close. Like if that, if there was a meet that he was going to be me, it was going to be like, I think that 2018 on nationals uh, when I was coming back from like injury or something, I don't know. But, um, yeah, the way he presented it to me, I felt, I felt like if he won, it would be fair. And Joey wasn't picking sides. Um, yeah, there's just a certain way he presented it where I wouldn't have an issue. Leading into the clash with Delaney Wallace. You gonna fire this cat from doing your taxes or what? <laughs> <laughs> Just be like, it can't happen around tax season because this dude's got too much on me. He knows where the bodies are buried, so to speak. He's like, listen, man. <laughs> right? He's like, I'm gonna release the papers. It's it's like the Trump thing. I'm gonna release his taxes unless this, you know, it becomes it gets ugly. But um, yeah, it, it is. It, it would be a new storyline, I guess, and it depends how things shake up. But who knows, man? Um, because there's. Like, like, as of right now, are you, uh, you, you're not a USAPL member, right? Um, no, not, not right now. So do you have any ideas what's going to happen? Uh, like what your plans are for the future? Or obviously like you're aware that the IPF membership is going to vote whether USAPL is removed. And obviously US is going to have new representation. Um, so is it kind of like, I'm going to wait and see, let's see how things transpire or. It's, it's more so just like. For me, I think the, the umbrella thing is that I'm going to go with whatever route's going to allow me the chance to compete at like IPF Worlds again and continue that legacy that I have with the IPF. Um, I, I really want it to be the USAPL. I love the USAPL. Um, but the way it's just looking, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't know. Um, so whenever they have that vote, things will be a lot more clear. And when federation, new federations come up, things will be a lot more clear as well. So Yeah. Um, yeah, I just know for sure, like, I definitely want to continue chasing my legacy in the IPF. Um, so whatever route provides that, I'll go with that. Here's one I want to ask you. What is the most satisfying powerlifting moment you've had? It could be a single lift. It could be a full-on win. Or it can be something not entirely even on the platform. But a moment you're like, fuck, that one, that one got me. And that's not an easy, this is not an easy question. <laughs> so you could take a minute. And I got, uh, Arian, while he thinks about that, I got a couple overrated, underrated that I want to do as well. Yeah. But. Uh, um, yeah. I want to say, I want to say like my first win with IPF Worlds. Um, my first win with Raw Nationals. Like the first is just always different because it's like when you're breaking through. Um, you're kind of like new to everything and. Like the experience is just so fresh. Uh, yeah, I, I would say, you know, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, uh, 2017 Raw Nationals. Yeah, and why is that? Do you think? What, what was it that? Is it just literally, like, did did you it, just because it's the first and you didn't know, or other people yeah, didn't no one, know, or no one knew who I was? Like, no one really knew who I was. I was coming from the social media things. Uh, social media side of things so like I mean I was like a lifter that I would post those on social media um I'll do a couple of powerlifting meets here and there um but no one like actually knew me in the powerlifting community it was like a very weird thing um people knew me from YouTube people knew me from Instagram I had like a decent following on there 
But when I was in like the warm-up rooms, everyone's kind of like, I mean, who is this guy? Like, um, like I've never seen this guy before. He's not like in the the powerlifting circuit like that or the powerlifting community. So that was like, uh, it was kind of like like introducing like me. That, hey, hey y'all, like this is me. Um, so I think that was like probably my favorite moment just because I remember <laughs> I remember squatting. Um, John was sitting front row, like right in front of me. And it was my third attempt and I blew up six, six, six or something or six, six, seven or whatever. And that's when everyone was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, I've never seen this before. And I remember my, my Instagram following was like shooting a shot, like a whole 10 K. Cause like the whole powers and community is like, okay. Like who is this guy? Um, so yeah. Did you in that? Okay, I remember. Is that the one where you had your arms out like this with a smile on your face? Yeah, it's kind of like that after. Dude, like, that is literally a moment. I like that's one of your best pictures. In yeah. um, the story behind it, with how you're explaining, makes that even better, more iconic moment. Whereas mm -hmm. literally, you're coming out here. I am to the so when you throw your arms up and you know like john hack who just the year previous so that's 2017 the year previous 2016 was the u.s raw nats champ the world champ the you know he was the ipf he was the 83 yeah. so instead of him now he's now in the front row watching the next guy and yeah. it's cool because that was a passing of the torch moment that at the time you don't know you don't know what's going to happen but you ended up doing what you ended up doing um walking in there when no one kind of knew who you were did you feel like you weren't entirely sure you were going to be the top 83 in the world because obviously brett gibbs is still around at the moment or did you think like i got a secret and everybody else doesn't know yet and i'm this is my opportunity to show everybody this secret yeah it was that I mean, for sure like i remember running around like the hotel i remember like uh charlie dick what is his last name dickerson Dickin dixon? dixon or dickinson yeah, I didn't have I didn't have uh, like my briefs, like my tidy whities that you're supposed to wear under your singlet. So I'm like literally running around, like trying to fight, figure out where I could buy some tidy whities. And uh, Charlie goes, "Oh, bro, like you need you need some underwear? Like I got you." I'm like, "Oh, man, thank you so much, bro." Like, listen, you have to do this every time. If one of your boys lends you shorts pants or underwear you always have to text back thank you very much they were a little tight in the crotch but i appreciate it and you, and i do it every time they're like dude you fucking do this every time like i have to it is what it is it's got to be done but um yeah it was i was like no one like no one really knew who i was i mean like i had my social media stuff going but like i wasn't in the pouch and how crazy is it that like that'll never happen again now yeah i'll never yeah it, it, like like your experience at IPF Worlds, dude, you had to stay in your room. Like yeah. if you came out, there was no such thing as coming down for a chill, you know, conversation or, or whatever. Like unless you want to like uh, start doing a. Oh a... man, yeah. Funny story about that. I was like, it was the day of the competition. I was like sauna. I was like in the sauna getting weight off, and like some lifters. I don't know how they figured out I was in there, but <laughs> they were from Japan, and I thought they were weight cutting too for their competition. So. I was like, so, okay, so I, okay, so I'm in the sauna by myself, and, like, it had been, like, an hour, so I'm like, okay, like, I, I'm just gonna get naked and put on a towel, because, like, I'm tired of, like, my clothes getting wet. Yeah, fair. Like, I'm chilling in the sauna, like, kicking back, like, this, <laughs> like, thing, like trying to pass by, and then, like, some, I see some dudes just kind of staring at the thing, I'm like, yo, <laughs> so, <laughs> like, you guys coming in, like, what's up, those guys are just kind of standing out there. And they're fully clothed and they just kind of come in and just kind of stand. What around. the fuck? Yeah, so I'm like, 
I'm trying to make small talk because at this point I'm kind of I'm like this is kind of weird. So I, I sit up and like put my tone. <laughs> oh, like you guys cutting for me? Like how y'all doing? Like where country you guys from? And I'm like, oh, like 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 picture. I'm like, oh shit, okay. Like, <laughs> You're like, well, yeah. this is awkward, but I'm fucking yeah, mad. Picture of me on Instagram, like getting <laughs> 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 in the sun in my towel. I'm like, kind of like, <laughs> what's up? Like, yeah. So Dude. Uh, it was uh, it was crazy. It is, um, yeah, this is like, that's why when you think back to like 2017 and you were about to have that moment, you know, the, you blew up that squat, John Hacks, like, holy shit. And everybody like the rest of the powerlifting community is like, holy shit. It is like the reason why those times are special because you'll never replicate that. You can replicate a major showdown in having a big victory in a major showdown. And some showdowns are just going to get even bigger. Like Muhammad Ali, when Ali was winning, when he beat Frazier the third time, it was the biggest of his career, and he's never going to forget that. Um, so you've had big showdowns, but your biggest yet might still happen. Like if Sheffield kicks, and it's you, Taylor, Brett, and fucking let's throw Anatoly in the mix or whatever the shit, it becomes like, oh, my God. So your biggest highs might still yet to come. But what will never happen again is the feeling of like, like you can never go back to anonymity again. Like yeah. it is what it is, man. Like there is no going back. Like, is that kind of weird to think about now, at least in the powerlifting community and your day-to-day life is different, but you can't show up at a powerlifting competition now and experience the same experience. Yeah. Like, is that good, bad? How, how was that for you? Um, I'm, no, I'm thankful for sure. It's just like, yeah. I just think that feeling is never to come back. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. The first so, are gone. Yeah. The first is gone. Um, but I'm thankful that I've gotten to a point where like, okay, like it's a little bit different now when, when I'm in the powerlifting meet or, or anything like that so yeah I'm, I'm i'm happy it's not i'm not sad about it but i do understand it's different what'll be cool is when we start moving into multi-sport events mm-hmm. and um and you are representing not just usa but powerlifting so yeah. you come across athletes in saunas or in the athlete compounds like i fucking love i'm an olympics guy when it's like athletics at a world stage like that and I'm like, I'm watching like fucking pole vault, like pole vault on the two o'clock in the morning. I got to see the conclusion. I don't know what the yeah. fuck's going on with pole vault, but I'm like, I'm like, who's going to win this French guy or whatever. Right. And it'll be, what'll be like the next type, next level experiences over the next, you know, two, three, four, five years and beyond. Cause you're a young guy and you'll still be around is when you're in the hotel room and you're coming into contact with people from around the world, from different sports. And you're not just representing your nation, but you're representing your sport as well. And they'd be like, Oh shit, that's the guy. Like not just US, but that's the guy that we hear about or see or whatever. And they're like swimmers and they're like long distance runners. Like, fuck me, you know who I ran into? He's a nice guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, these are the next news for you that probably are going to come. Um, that'll be exciting. And you don't even see them coming right now. Like you'll look back and be like, I never would have fucking thought, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's those kind. Um, I got a couple more area. Do you want to jump in? I got a couple more. I want to ask though. No, go ahead. Okay. So I have a, let's do a little overrated, underrated, my friend. And um, I'm keeping an eye on the time. So we'll get you about in time, but okay, good, good. So I got an overrated, underrated for you. Erin, let me get your thoughts on this as well. Training without a belt. Overrated or underrated? Oh, that's, I mean, it's underrated for sure. Do you think underrated? It's not overrated. I mean, I know there's a difference. I mean, uh, so are you talking about the component of like, okay, the difference or? Um, I would say this is what I would say. Okay. 
I'll, I'll, I'll tell, I'll give my, my opinion. And then it'll let you, it'll also at the same time, frame the question. Okay. So for myself, I think a lot of people do a lot. Some people actually, I should say not a lot, but some people do a lot of beltless work mm-hmm. and might anticipate it gives them far more than it does by the by the frequency that they do it. And to an extent it is overrated by some people um, in terms of like, you know, I did this beltless, I did that beltless, et cetera. Whereas for myself, and there's, I, if there's research on this, and I'm, I'm aware of, maybe there's been research in terms of like strength gains with a belt, but just myself and what I've seen with um, people that I know close by, when I put a belt on, I, when I brace, I brace far tighter, far tighter when I have my belt on than when I don't have my belt. And when I'm squatting or deading and I brace and I feel the belt around me, the tension I get um, is far greater. So then the weight, like I, the, the, the rep feels better and the weight I shift is far heavier. So then when I accumulate the volume with the belt, I feel, and I know people say, take the belt off, you'll get stronger. But if I have the belt on, I'm shifting more weight over more reps. I particularly feel like I'm getting stronger, even in the core with the belt on. Then if I take the belt off and it's like, well, you'll get stronger with the belt off, but I I feel more vulnerable because I'm not as tight. And when I don't feel as tight, I'm more likely to get hurt. Um, and I can feel it. Like I can feel a stark difference between I had my belt on, I didn't have my belt on. But this is myself. Everyone's individual. And I haven't read studies as a whole. And I understand everybody's different. So that's why I feel like when people like, go, go beltless and you'll achieve this, that, and the other. For myself, I say overrated. That's my thoughts. Okay, yeah, in that context, yeah, overrated. Like, I mean, I always think it's interesting when lifters post shit. It's like, oh, I did this beltless. I'm like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna t- yeah, I'm gonna take it a different way. Like, whenever like someone goes like, okay, like I did this beltless, I'm like, I don't care. Like, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, put the belt on, like, see what you got. Um, right. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, it could be. It's a tool to use in training and when you're programming, but I don't think it's gonna be something that's gonna make like. Like, do you do a lot of beltless work? No. I, 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 because I, I, I was thinking in my mind's eye, I don't. Russ has world record squat, world record um, dead, and I don't see him doing a lot of beltless work. And I don't also see you getting tipped over by a dead, nor tipped over by a squat, yeah. or getting jockeyed and bullied out of position by the weight. Like your core is strong as fuck. Yeah. So. <laughs> or I mean, like it's there to to provide um, uh, stabilization. So it's just like I mean. I get the I, I get the thinking process of like you train without a belt, it's gonna make your core stronger, this, that, and the third. But I mean, I think every lifter is different. I mean, it might help a lifter more than it might help another lifter. So. This is fair. Overall, overrated though, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Arian, you you program for a variety of different people. So you'll probably have a more, you know, depth to to this because you have different people that you've had to do this with. What what are your thoughts, sir? But, but I mean, I'm the, I'm the same as you guys, as far as like, yeah, seeing it as some kind of uh, magical fix to like, yeah, improve your core, make your, your belt to squat go up. I don't see it. And you always see this, like when people actually do testing, they do like an entire beltless cycle. And then they put the belt on they're like, oh, well, my beltless max went up, but my belt and max didn't go up. So like, you know, Russ says like, okay, you hit a PR on your, your belt, your beltless max. Uh, I don't really care. 
And, you know, a lot of people say the whole, oh, you know, it's a crutch and it makes your, you know, your core weaker. But any studies they've done does not show that. If anything, it shows that, like, you know, it activates most of the core muscles more, except for maybe the obliques. But you can always do, you know, core exercises afterwards um, to help blow up that stuff as well. So I'm overrated uh, camp as well. If I do it, it may be more for, like, someone who just wants, like, a mental break or maybe just give, like, the joints a break by doing lower loads. Um, maybe something like that. Maybe they're traveling and they don't want to, you know, pack their belt or something like that. But to do, like, an entire, like, 8 or 12-week cycle of only, you know, beltless squats bellus deadless i never do it and i feel like it's pointless you're just gonna like work with lower loads and just get yourself weaker dog this is holy shit so we just unanimously decision this thing <laughs> but um I, I i thought this might be a bit of a point of contention but i 100 agree even like in terms of getting the core stronger so i tried to tinker with this like okay i'll do no belt i found the same thing i'm just doing lighter loads i don't get nearly as tight because the tension when you wrap that belt around then you grab the bar, take a big breath, lock your lats, slam them back the whole nine. With the belt around, the tension is fucking phenomenal. And you feel tighter because of the belt. So I'm shifting weight far more confidently for sure in heavier weight. In more, you know, it's, it's common, you know, math, more weight over, over the same amount of reps for the same amount of time. I'm going to take that nine times out of 10 to get stronger for sure. Take the belt off and shift less weight I get it. I don't have the belt to brace against, but I'm also not as tight. Like it just doesn't, I didn't, I never fully got why some people super duper lean into it. And I didn't see the connection. And um, I'm glad you had said, Aaron, you had seen some studies where there wasn't a big connection because yeah, I, I wasn't seeing it. I, I, and some people do champion their, their beltless PRs. I'm like, all right, it's different. Sometimes to break a mental I can see where a coach might be like someone's getting stagnant or someone needs some kind of shakeup. So you like, let, let's, let's do a little bit of beltless work or you add a variation. It's like, does this help a lot? You had talked about earlier, Russ about monotony with training. It's like, look at, if you need a little bit of a shift and we're not peaking, let's just fucking do something different. Right. But yeah, when I look around, I think, yeah, throw the belt on. I don't think it's not going to make your core weaker. That's not what I've seen. Yeah. How about this one? Fellas, here's another overrated, underrated. We've done this one before, Aria, but I'm interested to see what Russ says. What do you find is, and this is a direct lead-in from the last one, a more important tool in your toolbox if you're going to bring it in your traveling? Wrist wraps, and this is for all three lifts. Mm. Wrist wraps or a belt. You can only bring one. You can bring your belt or you bring your wrist wraps. Now, here's the thing. Wrist wraps will help you with squat, bench, some weirdos even on dead. <laughs> okay. And, and um, a belt you can't use. Uh, you can't use, obviously. Well, you can use for bench, but it's very seldom on bench. So mm -hmm. it's only for two. I don't know if that impacts your decision. But which one are you packing if you can only pack one? And, and, and don't think about the suitcase space or anything. I mean, more yeah. impactful. I mean, is that, is that a question for real? Like, Dog, I, I shit you not. This is a question and I lost friends over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm with you. Cause I think I know where you're leading. Yeah. I think like, how, like how, how would you choose wrist wrap? I could literally squat without wrist wraps if I wanted to. It's just there. For Dude, I shit you not Rory on this podcast from New Zealand fucking yeah. said wrist wraps <laughs> in it. I, I, I almost, I had to, we had a moment of respite. You know, a moment of pause where I had to reevaluate our relationship. And I was like, I don't know. I've, do I associate myself with somebody like this? Because yeah. he's got some radical thinking. <laughs> what was his reasoning for that? I just, I don't understand how you would say anything other than a belt. 
dog that there is no rust you, you don't want to go down that rabbit hole though you know this is this is this is a flat earther mentality yeah, i think I, things are backwards down there because yeah. if i took okay so let's say i go to me and i don't have my belt my meat's fucked man like yes i know i, I don't have my wrist so i'm like oh damn oh well <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, exactly. Man. If I don't have like, like I maybe on bench a little bit or whatever, um, but nothing crazy. If I don't have my belt, I do a meet beltless. Oh Lord. We got yeah. a, we got a major problem. I swear to God, Arian, do you remember this conversation? And did, did Bill also say no wrist wraps? I, I think Bill may have went wrist wraps too. And me and you were Weird. belting. We're like, you guys are crazy. Like, okay, you know, not so <laughs> these people need to be around their stomach or something. I don't get it. Like, <laughs> These people need to be on a list and it's got to be archived and we need to follow their whereabouts and follow their movements because they're, they're perverts. <laughs> they're perverts. And if they live in an apartment complex, everyone in the apartment needs to be told that they're in that complex and, and hide your children and watch this pervert because you can put the, we can put the wrist strap on their doorknob to acknowledge this house. <laughs> That's what they have to be marked. Their apartment needs to be marked for other people to know. Watch that fucking guy. They're just saying that to you. Yeah, I don't know though. Rory at least had conviction behind it. He's like, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's funny, like that. The more and more I got into powerlifting, the less and less I use wrist wraps. Like I'm like, oh, I don't even need it in squat. If you get the right position, everything like that, and you're mobile enough, I don't even need it. Like you said, like deadlift, you don't really need it. So for bench press, I mean, for some people, just for some additional support and stuff like that. But you know, the way I bend my wrist back on bench press, I don't even need it for for bench. So like. The, the belt, I I wouldn't even do a competition if I didn't have my belt for squat deadlift. Also, the purpose. I mean, I used to I used to compete belt and knee, knee sleeves, but to think now at this point in time to not compete. Actually, it, it it blows my mind when Joey Namani, like the fifty-seven kilo world champ, two-time fifty-two kilo world champ, squats and deads beltless, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Are you just doing this? The thing is, like, her deadlift. As a 57, 125 pound woman, she deadlifts 500 pounds. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. And she squat, like she, like her total as a 57 kilo, um, it's, she's so far ahead of the rest of the world. She's almost close to 500 kilo total as a 57. Like it's insane what she's doing. So, all right. Like proof is in the pudding. Like it's tough to whatever, but I'm like, are you entirely sure you haven't, like if I forced you to wear a belt for a year, I I, like what could you do or is this just like a thing now that you can't go back like are you just like you know th this is, these are the thoughts i have like or are you you know what i mean i knew her and they're i'm like they're saying like she just doesn't like it like she just does not like it at all and i was like it's like she's just not messing she just doesn't like it i was like damn <laughs> i know i don't get it i'm like yeah. what if you had to what if you had to what if like um she, she would, she could win. It could be like anybody, like where you could be winning without a belt, but your total would have been, um, whatever, just, just above Delaney Wallace and just above whatever the shit, right. Yeah. Or you put a belt on and you do what you do. And now your potential now is 850 plus. You would never know that. And you'd be like, well, I'm winning. So what are you guys complaining about? That's what I wonder if it is like that now, or like, like, could it actually impede her? I don't, I can't see how would it impede her, but how the hell do you convince somebody where it's like, like, look at, I'm a two time 52 kilo champ, 57 kilo champ. Now I might go to six, like, fuck, she could go to 63 at some point, who knows? Like she's killing it. So it's tough. And there's a couple people who do that deadlifts. I deadlifts like, 
Look how I got to choose my words wisely because I'm going to have a fucking wrist wrap on my doorknob if I don't watch what I say here. (laughs) (laughs) So for the record, I'm just talking, but I can kind of see on deadlifts where if it makes you when you're grabbing the bar and you feel a little squished down at the bottom, whatever the shit, it's a bit different. But the squat 100%, when it's unracking and you want to feel tight, strong, and secure with the bar on your back, there's nothing quite like the, like the belt. Deadlifts, a little more leeway because when people bend over, especially if you're really like compound down there, it gets tough. But I still am going to keep my belt on. Yeah. Um, for God's sake. What about this one? What about where do you rank? And everyone's going to start thinking about their sponsorships here, but just let's just get crazy here. <laughs> everyone's going to be like, if you see a piece of equipment I'm sponsored for, but, um, but uh, where do you rank your knee sleeves? What do you mean? Like in terms of, so we got the belt and I think that's probably the top of the hierarchy. Okay. I think we're on the same page with that. Yeah. But what about knee sleeves compared to wrist wraps? If you could only pack either wrist wraps or knee sleeves. I'd pack these. wrist wraps are at the end the last. Oh, wow. yeah for me personally um squatting like so I, i've had acl reconstruction surgery um, mm. uh, yeah so for me like the knee sleeve just provides that reinforcement and just like um it just makes me comfortable with the movement it definitely feels different when i don't squat without knee sleeves now um it's a noticeable difference to where like i i would prefer very 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 much to squat knee sleeve. Wrist oh, wraps wow. are, yeah wrist wraps to me are just like a very it's like a luxury thing. It's like an added little support. Um, I figured out ways I could squat like without wrist wraps. Bench, I used to bench. Like my whole life, I bench without wrist wraps. Like wrist wraps are a new thing for me on bench. And then you obviously don't need them on deadlift. So definitely new sleeves for sure. I love how you said that. Listen, um, there are some people who, who will rock wrist wraps on, on deads. And I remember Canada's Marie T, 57 kilo against, uh, uh, in first time in Sweden, against um, Megan Scanlon. And Maria missed her deadlift on her second attempt, a deadlift. And, and Megan Scanlon, it was literally like she, she pulled ahead. And Megan, like as a commentator, I'm like, well, well, there it is. U.S. with the goal, basically, right? Marie T is going to come out, try the exact same weight that she missed on strength. Wasn't a technical thing. She just couldn't get it up. And in the back, the Canadian head coach, Jeff Budd, is like, it's going to be crazy. But um, do you ever use wrist wraps on your deads? And Marie T is like, <laughs> Marie T is like, no come on man and he goes i know you don't do something different at the world championships for literally for the gold medal pole this is the craziest to change up like at the world championships gold medal pole you normally don't change something up but he's like that thing came out of your hands and you couldn't hang on to it let's just fucking try this and she's like okay she threw the rip wrist wraps on pulled and that thing didn't come out of her hands and it was the fucking craziest hell mary pole and she won the world championships and um, I was a commentator. I'm like, did not see that happening. The wrist wraps actually made a difference in deadlift. And I swear to God, I'm like, I've tried it afterwards. I'm like, fuck it. Let's just see what happens. Nah, man. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's crazy for me. But yeah. Arian, what do you think about wrist wraps and deads? Is that nuts? So, because it happens though. Some people, it actually works. Yeah, it's nuts. So, because even if you say, okay, you know, maybe you feel the difference, or maybe it helps a little bit, like, you know, as far as endurance, like on multiple rep sets, but to like in a competition, the difference between that second and third at a max attempt to make that kind of difference, it's pretty crazy. Maybe it's just like, you know, 
a specific situation with what her grip strength is and, and pressing on the right nerves and muscles and stuff like that help for, uh, but go, going back to your question for me, I was never a fan of uh, knee sleeves. I never had a uh, knee pain or anything like that, but I would still take knee sleeves over the wrist wrap. So I, I put, you know, I'm biased towards wrist I put them at the very bottom, like, you know, maybe for a specific case, like Maria, it, it made all the difference, but that doesn't mean for everyone it's going to make that difference. Here's what almost makes me, when people wear knee sleeves during deadlifts and they pull fucking sumo, <laughs> it's like your knee, your gnarling is going to go right over that knee sleeve and catch on that. You could hear it. And it's like, damn, man. Like it's a, that's when I'm like, why are you doing that? But then someone, pull, I was like, I don't see any help for knee sleeves and sumo, like a sumo deadlift, like when, when the gnarling is going to catch on knee sleeve all the way up, it's just friction. Like it's the opposite of baby powder. It's like having gnarling rub against like a, that material. And I'm like, I have no idea why people do that. And then I've said it on the commentary a bunch of times. Like, I, I just don't understand. And then someone in the warm up room told me, if you have an issue with lockout on your knees, you throw in a knee sleeve and it's tough to see those knees. And sometimes people do that to cover their knees and the yeah. quad. And it's like a sneaky little, I'm like, ah, okay. I didn't realize I was thinking the actual practicality of it, but the literally if someone has issues locking the knees, like you just, you're just literally covering them up, make it harder to see. Yeah. What a fucking sneaky way of doing it. Oh, that it makes was. sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I would never, ever, ever in a million years do it. But, um, I also got a couple uh, of personal questions, Russ, not like super personal, but just like some, I don't know if I've ever asked these before. Mm -hmm. So who is your favorite musician? Oh man, that's kind of hard. You can do three. <laughs> you can rhyme three off the top of your head. If you can't, if you can't get one. Um, well, Kanye is in there for sure. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of weird, but Tyler, the creator too. Like I'm just, I'm a huge fan of Tyler, the creator. Um, and then I'll go with, uh, I hate saying this, but I just have to say Drake, man. <laughs> no, why do you hate saying Drake? Why is that either? Um, no, I just feel like that's, I'm a, I'm a contrarian by nature. So I just feel like I wanted to say something that was super different, but yeah. Um, yeah. Kanye Drake and, uh, Tyler Drake. Dude, Drake is, he's, he's got some fire rhymes. The other thing is though, um, there's a controversy on whether or not he writes his own lyrics. And I don't know if that super means a hell of a lot. I like a lot of musicians don't necessarily write their own songs. Like the Beatles wouldn't necessarily always write their own. Like I think they do the vast majority, but like some of the biggest artists you've ever heard of didn't write their own songs. So I don't know, but it's kind of different with rap too, though. Yeah, rap, rap is like very braggadocious. So it's like, yeah, in your own shit. It's just kind of like, man, you're not even, you're not even like living up to what you say or like you can't even really bar up like that. Um, so I, I get it because rap is like a whole different subculture where like writing your own shit is very, very important. But I think like Kanye and Drake don't write their own stuff. Um, they they can write, but I think they've become so big. They're more so just about like making good music, um, not so much being a great ass rapper. And that's what makes, that's what's tough for me because um, like for instance, it would, I would, a piece of me would die inside, okay? If I found out Eminem didn't write a song, yeah, Eminem has to. That would be, that would be crazy. That would be that would be the end of it. Th yeah. That's it. My world has got flipped upside down. Um, you know, fucking. I just I just watch Russell or he deadlift with wrist wraps and knee sleeves on. You know, and beltless. That's, that's the equivalent for powerlifting. If someone's looking for it, that's the equivalent. Um, so that's why 
um, it is different with rap. Like it would literally hurt my heart to hear certain lyricists didn't write their own shit. Like an Eminem, I'd be like, there's no fucking way. Or, or like a Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne's got to write his own shit. Like, yeah. like Lil Wayne's, Lil Wayne's like uh, one-liners are, are absolutely phenomenal. The double entendres he makes and, and Eminem's triple entendres at times where he could like, is fucking phenomenal. If I found out they didn't write their own shit, it would murder me inside. Yeah. Um, so that would hurt. But on the flip side, I agree. Kanye and Drake have to be up there in the conversation. And it yeah. makes me like, um, yeah, it's, it, it, I have to think about it. Like, like when it's I mean, rappers. Yeah, if you if you look up on Instagram, like how, I mean, all my captions are just Drake lyrics. Like, there's a fire, dude. He there's the way. So they put out amazing music, um, and that's where I'm like, are they the best musician if they don't write their own? But the presentation is top notch. It, at least with Kanye, he does the music. So then you know he's uber talented. Drake is too. Like he could sing rap the whole nine too. I don't know. He's Canadian. He's from Toronto, man. He's just like that's what. So I I, I lean heavy. I lean heavy. I lean into it. Um, how about movie? Movie. Oh man, I got like, I got like, I got like a top. Okay, so it's weird. Like, I like, I like a uh, Forrest Gump. Um, oh like damn. America. Sorry, um, what was the second one? Coming to America with Eddie Murphy. Oh yeah. Okay, classic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, man. Dude, these are older. These are a little before your time. Yeah, no, my dad, my dad put me on. Like, I remember okay. America. He watched it, and I was like, man, this movie is so funny. Because I'm like, wait. I'm not- so I'm Nigerian, African, and then I was about to say, is your dad who, um, who was born in Africa and came over? Yeah, my parents. Okay, all right, all right, gotcha, gotcha. So like, it was like there was like a lot of parallels to 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 a certain sense. I love that movie. Um, Forrest Gump is like his favorite movie, and I I love that movie too. So, yeah, Tom Hanks. Uh, who what else? More recent, um, Super Bad. I remember watching that movie when I was like a little bit younger. That that shit just had me. Dude, I, it's amazing. Yeah that movie broke so many barriers um, you can't make super bad now you you would you would never get away with super bad now like they don't there was a that period of comedies was so good and you will like old school super bad 40 year old virgin all of those they, they all came around the same time you'll never that that's gone at least for now like you yeah. can't make those movies anymore yeah i'm trying to think of anything else that maybe people would be kind of shocked by. um yeah, I think, I think I think Forrest Gump like alone is pretty. That that's surprising me because like it's it's a little before your time, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I don't know because you're sports guys. Picture you sports related. Is there one sports related? Because I know um, Caffey when he was like he always looked for a sport like a good sports one yeah. before like Worlds or whatever. Is there a sports one that is your go to like that? That's my shit to get me up or no? Nah, not really. I mean, like I I love like remember the Titans, but I'm not like going back to watch it. You know, really? Um, oh no, shit! No, not really. Uh, Coach Carter is pretty good too. Um, <laughs> I love loving basketball though. That's that's like that's like one of my ones that I love. That's like about sports too. Which one is that? Loving uh, loving basketball it has uh, man, he looks like the co- the uh, the guy that plays looks like uh, I forget his name. It's not Mike Epps. It's uh, Omar Epps. Yeah, Omar Epps. There we go. Damn. Yeah. And then um, Salai Lathan. Um, dude omar epps is another guy from early 2000s dude your your music influence or your uh um movie influences from like early 2000 range 90s early 2000s i was born in 94 so i think around that time like i was like i was like probably 10 or something like that super young but i mean i was still into it i remember i was definitely young watching that movie because i remember but um omar omar epps was huge at that time period yeah he was killing it 
He absolutely killed. I don't know what he's doing now, but he was, I remember him using like juice and he like with Tupac and like, he was the shit at one point um, yeah. in all types of movies. Um, yeah, I man, I could be, my favorite movie of all time is Rocky, but Rocky. Uh, I mean the 1976 Rocky, like, yeah, I'd be mean, the old school Rocky, but um, yeah. What about, uh, who is your favorite actor? Man uh, or woman? Denzel Washington. Solid. That's oh, a solid pick. No, no, no. Damn. Oh, oh, oh. Lead <laughs> entry. Lead entry. Oh, uh, man. It's not. My bad. It's Leo. Oh, oh. shit, dude. Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. 100%. He's, yeah. He's, he's a, he's, I mean, I mean, he's a beast. It's like he, that Snoop gif, man. This motherfucker don't miss. Yeah, he don't miss. <laughs> yeah, he don't miss. <laughs> I've never seen him fuck up a role, man. He can do so many different things. But then it's like, I have a tear. And I, have, I remember having this conversation with my boys. I have a tier. I got like, you got Denzel, you got like Leo, you got people of that caliber, right? Right. Um, Cheryl uh, Street or whatever her name is. I forget, I forget it sometimes. But yeah. you, got, you got that caliber. Right. My boy was trying to tell me that Will Smith is in that caliber. Well, yeah, I mean, look at, oh, fuck, if Bright didn't happen or whatever that disaster movie was that was on Netflix. Um, whatever, but he was like a cop with the aliens in it or whatever. Uh, he's had some misses. He's had some hits, but he's had some misses. I agree. There's calibers like on that top upper echelon Leo. I would throw in like uh Brad Pitt fucking rarely misses in terms of like, um, like fucking from that tank movie fury to once upon a time in Hollywood, which is Leo and Brad Pitt. Like those guys, when they, they're in and Tom Hardy. I'm a huge Tom Hardy guy, but Venom, I'm not a big Venom guy, but I don't know where you rest on that. But there are certain people when they come out with a movie heavily favored that it's going to be good. Like yeah. you're like probably going to be a really good movie. And it's Dem- acting. And, and, and they're, they like, here's when you talk to like, not talk to producers, but hear podcasts where producers talking about, you could have a phenomenal actor. Um, and sometimes they could pick a movie and it could go either way because how the director cuts and shoots and the rest of the actors, maybe the storyline didn't end up the way you wanted it to. You can kill the acting part, but the movie itself isn't always like amazing. Those guys have a knack like the Revenant and like, like when they choose a movie, they just like, either they're just super duper comfortable with the director and producer. So they know the vision's going to come out. Right. Because even somebody like Denzel, who's phenomenal, has ended up in a movie or two where I'm like, oh, fuck, I mean, Denzel was good. But the movie yeah. itself didn't hit me like quite as hard as like, whereas a guy like Leo in particular, it's like really hard to think of a movie where he ended up in a bad movie. Like even like Wolf of Wall Street or whatever the shit, like he just always picked and it didn't end up going bad on him. Where sometimes like even the, like I used to be a huge Robert De Niro guy. That guy can't buy a good movie now. Like, like he's every, like the Joker was good, but like, um, you know, some of these people start picking a couple of bad ones and then they never get back and their potential upper end on acting skills, big, it's tough, man. And people like, uh, you know, we're talking about just how hard it is when you just have a script, your vision might not be the director's vision. And when it comes out, you're like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> you're like, well, <laughs> that's, I took an L. <laughs> We'll tell you what I told my boys. So for me, like Will Smith is more so just like an entertaining, like a jack of all trades. Yeah. Um, he's he's very good at acting, but I don't think he's like prolific at acting. Um, I just think that overall, like he's very charismatic and that shines through in movies. And he could play, he has like almost, it's, it's kind of tough to say because he's playing like very dramatic roles, but he has like a, a type of character that he could play that he flourishes in. 
and mm. the holes, it's kind of harder for me to be convinced of like him like truly embodying what he's supposed to be embodied characteristic wise whereas like those other actors they could they're chameleons like they could do whatever um but that's just my that's just my take your so my brother says this i'm a big will smith guy but his he says what you just said where he's like he's he can act his ass off and i yeah. believe it however his range isn't the same whereas yeah. leo denzel or whatever the shit can play good guy bad guy or from a different part of the world with a different accent a different and i believe it whereas mm. will is always will i believe it when he says he's hurt he cries he's angry i believe he's hurt i believe he's angry i believe and he's acting but he still appears like the same character in every movie ish yeah. Yeah. where he's closer to will um yeah. like he did really good as muhammad ali in that ali movie mm. uh he's so like i think he's like that's totally downplaying his acting skills like i think he's better than that but i do see where so he's got range if anyone was listening to this people are like what the fuck but i'm just he has range just not as much maybe as some of these other people where their range is greater like matthew mcconaughey at one point he would just take his shirt off for a fucking movie like i remember the early, late 90s early 2000s he had like surfer boy was a little legit a movie i remember i was dating a girl we were picking movies to watch and she's like how about this matthew mcconaughey movie and <laughs> As soon as I heard his name, I was like, it's going to be fucking bullshit movie. And it was called Surfer Boy. He needed his shirt off on the cover. And I'm like, all right, like right, I'm going to do what I got to do here. <laughs> if we're honest. But I'm thinking in my head, this is bullshit. And then fast forward now, Matthew McConaughey, when he, he was at, he had AIDS, uh, Dallas Buyers Club, where he's down to like 100 pounds. And I think he won an Oscar or um, Private Detective or whatever the detective HBO special show. Like he, now his range is fucking crazy. Like yeah. he, his range is insane, McConaughey. So that's different. We're like, you know, back in the day, he would have been more just always himself yeah. taking his fucking shirt off. Um, I got, look, we're down to like 10 minutes. I, let me ask you one more question. I'll let you go. You go. Uh, food, favorite food, my man. <laughs> I'm very basic when it comes to this. So for me personally, um, I have noticed that my go-to, like, and when I feel like cheating on my diet or whatever, it is definitely just like a good old hamburger, fries, and milkshake. That's, that's a good old American way, my man. That's just my shit right there. So, um, yeah, I don't have like anything super duper crazy. It's probably just like I need that particular, or it's like very unique. It's just pretty, uh, pretty generic, to be honest. Dude, the thing is, you say that when I watch the, um, like sometimes you watch some of those cooking shows, like Gordon Ramsay style, yeah. and the fucking level that they can take a hamburger. <laughs> like, I mean, like, like I know we say hamburger, they're like, if you told Gordon, Gordon Ramsay, like if, if he chose hamburger and someone tried to make fun of him for, for something as easy as hamburger, he'd be like, well, then you don't know how to make a hamburger. He'd yeah. be like, let me make you a hamburger. And then you tell me how the levels to the hamburger there is like hamburgers are viable. I say, don't be bashful about picking hamburger. My friend, oh, you could have a fucking too, like, for people that are listening. Like these aren't just your simple, like cheese and bur uh, cheese oh. and type of shit. It's like, like very unique, very like interesting burger. So there's like this place down over by my gym. Um, they sell burgers that's like it's very very like I don't know I, I think you guys have been to those hipster spots where it's like weird ass shit on a burger that you would never think close to right peanut, peanut butter and jelly burger yeah well, man I was literally about to say that well, peanut butter and jelly with plantain and bacon like in, okay in put some wrist wraps on these gentlemen's doorknobs this is, you're on the list now you're on we the lost, list now we lost Ryan that's it that's it hey man I, I know it sounds nasty but it's good that's like my that's like one of my go-tos right there That that is 
man, I'm isn't it crazy? Look, look at, and here's the thing. Yeah. Like I know there's a place called Chuck's like a, like, I mean, it's like 45 minutes away, a couple cities away. People will go there and line up for these burgers. And it's just like you said, the craziest toppings and yeah. you they'll put, they'll give you a burger that'll change your life. Yeah, like, yeah. You got to think about like, you'll think it differently. <laughs> like it'll change how you think about things. Like they have toppings on there that are so wild. It's like, how, and if you go, you could, you know, Russ goes home and his girlfriend's like, what are you doing? You got peanut butter out. You got jam out. And it's not going to work though. You can be, it's not going to work. You're like, trust me. And it doesn't work like they do it. I don't know how they do it. Some of these, the toppings are wild, man. Yeah. And, and like, every time I go there, I'm like, damn, this tastes good. What else is good here? Cause I'm looking at all the, I was like, I would never eat this. But then yeah. I let it about the peanut butter and jelly shit. So I'm like, let me try everything else and see how it goes. But it was, I mean, it's, it's good. They have things like ostrich, bison, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, like, and, and you try it, and it's like ostrich, bison, and there's like a poutine on top, and it's like, yeah. you know, with syrup, and you're like, what the fuck am I eating here? And you're like, it's it's amazing, though. It's absolutely amazing. It takes it to another level. Um, there's levels to this game. But anyways, listen, my man, we are getting close to your meeting. I muchly appreciate your time, sir. Thank you for coming on. Door is always open, and I appreciate that you do come on and, and come through that door when we send out the call. Um, is there any anybody you want to thank, sir, or anybody, anything you want to say before we let you go? Um, I just want to, I mean, first of all, I want to thank him, um, Kim Walford, like just for giving me the opportunity to um, take that avenue to compete for the USBI and uh, compete for the IPF or compete in the IPF World Championship. Um, also, too, like if you're in the if you're in the Virgin Islands, do you know that they do have a powerlifting community that you could join, um, a federation that you could join. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. I shout out to Corrupt the Strength. GBT and all that, but um, I feel like every single time I come in here, I kind of tell you like I try to give you your flowers, but man, you're you're doing like a lot of good stuff with the sport balancing. I feel like you play a huge role in unifying on um, the sport in terms of giving them that voice um, and that platform to be shared for people that don't get that platform. So um, once again, man, just keep it up. I remember when you first started, like our first our first interview, that shit was like on <laughs> crib, and like you were just kind of like. We, kind of, yeah. I think you had like five or twenty k at the time or something. Dog, we we come a long way, my man. Yeah, and you're you're bigger than most people's like uh, powerlifting pages now, and it's just like it's it's a community thing. I think you're doing an amazing job with that. Thank you, sir. Let me tell you something. Um, you 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 put a moment on uh, when you were at World Championships. I'm gonna let you go in like two seconds. Sorry, no, but good. when you but when you after you you won the World Championships broke like fucking however many world records and back to back. And then you came forward and thanked all the judges and you were the only guy you reached into the media booth and gave me a pound. And then I, <laughs> I shit you not. I heard Jessica Bittner's voice in the, cause she was close in the, in the front row go, Oh, <laughs> she because she's been around that long too like she's seen yeah. us progress and we you progress together with people and then yeah. when you when things are happening some people walk in after it's already been there like king of lifts has already been you're already a big name some people come into the sport and it's already like this and um it's not the same whereas when you progress with people and you have certain moments and you look around and, and it's that dude that you were with earlier and you weren't there you, you can have those moments of like, fuck, man, isn't this crazy? And you both appreciate. So anyways, that was a moment for me, my man. And uh, Flowers, right back at you, dude. You already know what I think about you and everything you're doing for the sport. Um, you're an amazing ambassador, and we are lucky to have you. Arian, thank you as well, sir. I know we got back-to-back -to -back today. Much appreciated. You're a trooper. 
Um, Russ, until next time, dude, we'll keep in touch. Yes, sir. Y'all be easy. Appreciate y'all, man. See you, yeah. man.